Jewish Money Matters episode 308, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. You knew that, right? Welcome back to the show. Another Ask Yael Friday, February 10. Oh my gosh, is time flying by or what? Let's do a recap of the week. On Monday, I had Eve Rotsky on the show. She's speaking about her work, both in her book, Fair Play, and in Unicorn Space, uh, both worth reading. I actually haven't heard much from you about the episode, and I'm surprised because I thought it would ruffle a few feathers. I don't know if you're being shy, but you don't have to. Uh, you can hit me up on Instagram or email me at yaeltrush.com. But I'll share with you a thought or two. Um, I think wherever you are on your lifestyle and your level of religious observance, there's there are important lessons both from fair play and unicorn space. And obviously from the conversation I had with Eve on the show that we should consider, I don't think anyone is exempt, observant, religious or not, you know, wherever you're holding, I don't think anyone is exempt from the need for a few things that we discussed here. And that obviously, you know, come across from her work. Uh, one of them being establishing boundaries, right? Boundaries around your time, your time with your spouse, your time with your children, your time at work, your time dedicated to household chores and other things, and your time obviously around things that you, you know, enjoy and 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 fulfill you. Um, that's one thing. The importance of boundaries, sharing household responsibilities in a way that allows both parties to take ownership over the task at hand, meaning one of them taking ownership over a task, right? But that 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 both in the relationship take ownership over certain things. You decide what that is, but someone has to have ownership over certain things, allowing the other one to then have the time and the mental space freed from that. And, you know, those things might be extracurricular activities of the children. It might be household chores. It might be tech support, right? All the technology stuff around the house. It might be bills. It might be investing. It might be bath time. I think every couple should be having these conversations and deciding what things you will own and what things I will own, right? What things everybody's going to own. And can that change over time? Absolutely. And it will, it will have to, and it should, and it will have to, right? It's an ongoing conversation, um, but it's one that leads us to tackle things and make things work in a way that things are getting done and everybody's needs are being met and there's not an imbalance of, you know, uh, it, just an imbalance in the relationship, right? And then a third point is having those unicorn spaces, those projects that are meaningful and impactful beyond our careers and beyond child rearing. Although, you know, Eve did say that it could be your work, but um, in many cases, it's beyond your work, right? Um, And that's on top of basic self-care. And I just want to clarify that these things are unisex, (laughs) by the way. Like this is not to say that 
only the woman has to be advocating for those things. These are things that both partners need to be advocating for and need to find a way to establish them. They need to have them. They both need boundaries. They both need ownership or areas that they've both determined the other one will own for a certain period of of time and that they will own. And they both need unicorn spaces. Um, And yes, it's true that Eve has found through her research, and we know anecdotally that women tend to need to advocate more for these things because the mindset and the cultural narrative tends to favor men's time. But I don't think this is a battle of the sexes. I think this is a battle that both sexes have to battle, for lack of a better way, to find a working equilibrium in equilibrium in their relationship where time and tasks are managed in true partnership as opposed to in an unbalanced way. Um, so that's my take on this. I would love to hear from you. And of course, I highly encourage you to read the books. So let's head over to the iTunes review section. And this week, we're going to celebrate Mackenzie Spring, who left a review on January 23rd. And she says, she, I think it's a she, yes, um, so far, I love it. I haven't been a follower for long, but I've learned so much in just a short time. It also feels personable. So I enjoy that as well. One of my main goals this year is to work on my finances. So this is right up my lane. I know that I, I know what I'll be listening to on my way to work tomorrow. <laughs> happy face. So sweet. I'm so happy. And I'm happy that you find it personable. And you know, that's part of the goal. That's it should be right. Um, And I'm very excited that one of your goals this year is to work on your finances. So I'm glad you found us here. And that you are here be in touch with me and I will send you a link for us to connect on the phone for 20 minutes. And I'm looking forward uh, to that. So you can email me yael at yaeltrush.com or you can DM me on Instagram and I'll send that link for us to connect. So thank you again, McKinsey. And let's head over to the mailbag. I'm going to tackle one question, um, which is, uh, it's going to be, you'll see from the answer. I mean, it's a lot to tackle on one question. So I think I'm going to take a break at that. I do have other questions, but I'll leave them for next Friday. And again, you can always submit and I will, I will keep up with the queue. I, I, I try. Okay. So let's tackle a question that came on Instagram from Ari Shalom. And she says, Should a woman solely rely on her husband earning a living while she is a homemaker? I followed up with her actually, and I asked her, what does she mean by should? You know how that word can be really tricky. Like we get caught up in all these shoulds, right? And meaning, does she want, I asked her, meaning, do you want my opinion? Or are you asking if this is a Jewish concept, that idea of a husband earning a living and the woman is a homemaker? And she said, I'd like both your view and to know whether this is a Jewish idea. Okay, so thanks, Ari Shalom, for the question. So so, so as, as far as I know, there is no Jewish law, halacha, that says that a man has to be a breadwinner and a woman has to be a homemaker. Having said that, there is a lot of nuance that is important here. The first thing here is that a man does have a contractual obligation under the ketubah, the marriage contract, to financially support his wife and children. Does that mean that he has to be the only one making income? No. It means that the responsibility falls primarily on him. 
He needs to find and he and engage in a way to do that. What way he chooses to do that is an entirely different conversation. It might be it's his father-in-law who's like, pro. I, I don't know. It's an entirely different conversation, right? And depending on where you, you know, what your community is like, it might look pretty different. But the fact of the matter is that that is his prime, that responsibility falls on him under that contract. If his wife ends up making more than him, that doesn't mean that he's not fulfilling his contractual obligation either. Okay, so it's important to know that. Additionally, there is a recognition in Judaism of the nature of men to be more external, more, you know, uh, be more out there in the world, let's say, and the nature of women be more internal and how that is reflected in the endeavors that they find more fulfilling. So let me explain. By nature, men tend to derive a great deal of satisfaction by, satisfaction by being the breadwinners, the one who supports his family, and sometimes to a fault, meaning to the extent that they can either, that they can tie their net worth with their self-worth and see their mo- money-making role almost as their singular role in the relationship, which of course is not true. Women, on the other hand, as ambitious as they may be, and we tend to be pretty ambitious, by the way, we also tend to have a natural inclination to want to have and raise children. It's just a part of our makeup, right? Which is not the way men naturally are, right? And and, and to raise children, to build a home, to be involved in the children's upbringing. Um, and we tend to have a gra- greater gravitational pull towards the children's upbringing than a man does. Of course, we balance each other out and, you know, a man gets married and with the help of his wife guiding him, he also becomes interested and present and involved in his children's lives and not just singularly focused on his more external role or the more a more external aspect like his career or his business, right? And in the same way, a woman with the help of her husband also allows herself to explore other areas of life beyond child rearing, which can be meaningful and fulfilling. And very often, yeah, they can even bring money to the family, right? And in many cases, part of the reason is they make her into a better homemaker. They just, because they nourish her, right? Um, So, you know, it's actually interesting that we're having this conversation because this is kind of going back to what I was saying before regarding Monday's episode with Eve Rodsky. Another thing is, you know, there is no question that Judaism acknowledges that we women have a gift of making a home, but that doesn't mean only cleaning a home, right? That refers to much more than the aesthetics and the cleanliness of the home. It refers to the management of the emotional temperature of the home, of the relationships at home, of the logistics that nurture those relationships. There are many areas within that which can be outsourced and or they can be delegated. And in many cases, they should. But the home as a whole does tend to be more of a woman's domain. And as I said, women are more naturally inclined towards that or those elements that make up a home, right? Like children, husband, those relationships. Again, it doesn't mean that men can't or shouldn't be involved in the minutia that running that household entails. But it definitely means that the woman tends to be more of the CEO and gravitate towards that role. Having said that, however, 
This doesn't mean that women are solely confined to this role or shouldn't ask their husbands to step up as co-directors of this operation, right? Um, And there's many, many Jewish women who work outside the home. Some do so because that's what they've arranged with their husbands. You'll find this in many circles where the husband is solely focused on learning Torah, for example, and the woman will be the one who's working to earn an income. And then you'll find other Jewish circles, more similar to, I guess, my personal case, where the husband doesn't learn Torah all day, but only maybe a portion of the day, but he's rather engaged in an occupation, right? That's, that's, he, he does do that. He's engaged in making a living. I, I don't like that expression, but bringing in an income <laughs> and the woman bring, making a livelihood is a better expression. And the woman may or may not work outside the home. And that is, again, decided as a couple as well. So if you go back to the episode with Rabbi Simon Jacobson, and I want to say it's 281, forgive me for not having it exactly, but I believe it's 281 with Rabbi Simon Jacobson, you will hear that he says there is no question that a woman, regardless of her husband being the major breadwinner, should find things beyond child rearing and homemaking that nourish her, that fulfill her. Um, And again, we go back to this idea of unicorn space from Monday's episode. And of course, you know, there's going to be periods of time when you have tiny babies, you might not be looking for that, but, 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 but you will know when that is needed, right? So anyway, that I think covers the Jewish idea as to my opinion. I, I think it's very personal. I think you can solely rely on your husband to be the breadwinner if that works for you and if both if you both want to, or you can decide to be a homemaker and a breadwinner if that's what works for both of you and motivates you. And then there are many gradients of that what that looks like, right? Um, you know, it could be that you work in a way or run a business in a way that also allows you to be present for your children. Like, you know, there's just, there's so much gray area here. Right. Um, and, and I'll, I'll just say something else that we have to a little bit, we have to be aware of. Um, I remember learning this years ago, again, I'm not an expert in Puritanism or other faiths, but I will add that this paradigm of a man is a breadwinner and a woman is a homemaker is a very, very much Puritan paradigm, which, you know, became part of American culture and society. And, you know, as it's just something that seeps into, you know, our consciousness. But historically, if you look at our history, you know, back in Europe and other countries, we very often the women had a role that was outside of the home, in addition to (laughs) what we mentioned before, but very, very much, you know, were in charge of making the money or, or helping with making the money, they we could see you see women running the shop running the store, even while men learned, right, or studied Torah. And then maybe the men only went to the shop or the store a couple hours a day. So you see a lot more of that narrative where the woman was very involved in the in also in the in the livelihood aspect of the home. Of so again, I just I don't think Judaism has a set way, but I do want to emphasize that yes, of course, as I said before, there is an acknowledgement that we definitely have a prime a primary role, and that's based on natural inclination. So that's all to say, yes, Judaism recognized that women are wired for you know having a greater gift for in homemaking again as it pertains to building 
the members of our household, building them up, setting the emotional temperature, managing those relationships, etc. And that is a role that we should actually never relinquish, you know, just be- because it has deep repercussions, not only society, but terms in our personal lives, leaving us with very unfulfilled um, needs met. I mean, there's so much that you can look up that's been written about the fact that feminism just sold us women a complete lie. And, you know, we wake up one day and we're like, wait, what I actually really want is to build a family. And now it's too late to do that. So we have to be very careful. And we have to be very cognizant that the Torah has been telling us a truth all along that God knows our nature and not God knows. God is saying, yes, a woman is Bina, a woman is from Bone, from building. That's her special quality that a woman has. And she should honor that she shouldn't just relinquish it that that's that's actually a dangerous, a dangerous place and can and should she have other outside interests that can make her an even better builder, a better homemaker, and that can even make her money? Absolutely. Or money for her household? Absolutely. Nothing to say that she can't. Okay. So I hope that helps. Ari Shalom. That was a long answer, um, but I hope it was helpful. (laughs) You see, this is definitely not your typical money show, is it? (laughs) If anyone has more insights on this or a follow-up question, please reach out. Happy to... um, happy to respond. And I'm going to take a break here from answering your questions. As I said, I'm just going to tackle that question. And I'm actually going to ask you something that I asked on all the social media channels this week. And that is, do you want to hear some of my tips and insights on public speaking that I've learned over the years of being on stage? It's it's funny, because now that I've, things have picked up again, over the past year and even now more like it's like like it's really starting to pick up. I'm traveling more and I'm getting asked to travel more presenting on stage. I started reflecting on some of the lessons learned, which might be helpful to others. And and I put that out there on Facebook, on LinkedIn. And, you know, do you guys want to know about this stuff? And boy, did I get a resounding yes. So yes. So I started already with tip tips one, I think I published the second tip, but if not, it's coming out today. Um, But I started already posting um, tips. um, And there are more on the way. And I want to know from you, the podcast audience, do you want me to share them here as well, right? Um, Because I'm happy to do so I'm anyway preparing them. So I would do an episode here and share with you those lessons, which are beyond the stuff that you learn in the speech writing books. That's not what I'm talking about, right? Um, So say the word and I'll be back here with my best public speaking tips. Again, we're not talking about inflection and cadence and using jokes and all that stuff, you know. Uh, There's some things that are a little bit more, you know, um, nuanced, nuanced and they're just really based on personal experience. So let me know. You know where to find me. And of course, keep sending in your questions. I will be back on Friday to answer those. You can reach me at Yael Trash via DM on Instagram or Yael at Yael Have a Shabbat Shalom.